welcome back. This is season two, episode 11 of the Bottomless Podcast. That is spelled B-T-T-M-L-E-S-S podcast. If you are joining us for the first time, welcome, and we hope you stick around. If you are a return listener, uh, welcome back. And so my name is Kevin, and I reside, just for a little bit of introductions, I reside in Florabama, and these two lovely people are... Leslie. Leslie and Vince. (laughs) (laughs) And Vince and Vince resides in California and Leslie resides in Hawaii. And we are three friends in our waning 20s talking about stuff that interests us. It's I have to say that your pronunciation of Hawaii has gotten pretty good over the course of this podcast. I I will say, like, since you like you were like a pronunciation Nazi in like the first episodes of our podcast. And so your name and Hawaii, because you like were like, like literally there was like at least three words. I vividly remember you corrected me like very adamantly on. And I was like, I will never mispronounce these words ever again. I don't think I, I don't think, I think the only one I've corrected you on was my name actually, it but was, maybe I did for it, it was your name. I think it was Hawaii. And then it was um, Kamala. Kamala, Kamala, yeah, the way like you pronounce Kamala. I was like, I was like, yep. Let me go ahead um, to get into my thoughts for the day. Uh, I'm, we're gonna name, we're gonna try a new segment out called "Put Me On." So, food, drink, song, food, drink, song that you that you guys are enjoying right now. That's like, not on be, the spot. It could be ordinary. It could, it could be ordinary. It could be super repetitive. It just could be like. Like, but food, drink, song, that's really, really, like, it's just hitting for you in life, right? Now. It could be a, a, a McDonald's, like, for example, the food could be a McDonald's McFlurry. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, it's a simple problem. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, okay. Vince, you song, go Ivy Leslie. by Frank Ocean. Leslie. I've been bumping on. Ooh. Ivy by Frank Ocean. Okay, okay. For my song. Um, food, I have been, I bought a big Costco bag of mangoes and chopped them up and froze them and have just been Mm. eating frozen mango chunks, which I love. And, um, sorry, what was the other one? Food song. Drink. Drink. Um, uh, I I drink a lot of milk, which is actually not a great thing. Regular dairy milk? In some large perspective. Nasty ass. Just like whole milk like i just really like <laughs> and not whole milk ooh, ooh, i'm so proud of i'm so proud of leslie and it's so good with spicy food you know like especially oh, yes. like any kind of korean food is just like such a nice little balance anyway vince front vince beyond here talking about vegetarian he'd be he ate chicken wings like anyway um vince not even vegetarian food drinks on y'all zoom dinner day, he's pescatarian <laughs> <laughs> i make that mistake too I, I always I start correcting people now because like I went through a, a little outing with people and they like did the diet restrictions and they wrote for me like vegetarian and then I just I just feel bad like no I, I digress um I did have buffalo too. I did have buffalo wall wings uh well actually I had like a South LA knockoff that was better and cheaper um to reward myself uh song to put you on that's hard. Um, just, just something that's hitting right now. Right now, uh, there's this new song by Jungle called Keep Moving. If you want like a nice disco vibe, it's a vibe. Um, drink. I've been drinking a lot of tea lately. 
and not, not a lot of coffee, but like a lot of tea. I had I threw a party on Saturday and literally everyone's like drinking drink drinks and I'm like over here with like my little thing of tea for my my weak little stomach. So a good mint tea or a good chai tea. Okay. You've okay. been on mint tea for a long time. Like it feels like for the duration of this podcast. Probably I'm talking like multiple a day at this point. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let me find out. Uh, for me, song uh, Nobody But You by Sonder and Georgia Smith. Drink Taro mm. Boba with tapioca, extra tapioca, large, and the mm. and like the liquid boba, not the um, liquid taro, not the blended or the like, yeah, iced, I guess you would say, like, not just a blended. Uh, um, mm-hmm. And then food, my fat ass. Airhead sour bites are hands down the best sour candy, candy I've had in my entire life. I used to think it was the um, sour punch bites, which are like the sour straws, but they're shorter and they're thicker. But then I, I saw someone eating the airhead sour bites and I was like, I wonder. I got them and it changed my life. Oh my God, my mouth is literally watering. That's my favorite category of candy is like sour gummy type candy. Is it new new? I haven't even heard of them. It's 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 fairly new. I'm not sure when it came out, but def- when we were growing up, that shit was not a thing. And then everyone started making sour candy and it, it, it oh my God, like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's 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 amazing. It's amazing. I'm kind of scared of candy now. <laughs> Ever since I got like a root canal, I literally get a little bit of anxiety when I go to eat candy just because I feel like I'm like rotting in my teeth. And I know it's not that quick or simple, but like I can't get that out of my head. So I don't eat a lot of candy, not because I don't like it, but it literally scares me now. Wait, when did you get a root canal? Uh 2017 remember hearing about that did you just quietly get it and not, not make a big fuss about it it was like a multi it was like a six month thing where one day I was eating and like my tooth just like crumbled like one of my back teeth and then I just like spit out half my tooth and I was like oh well that's awkward um but then I was like whatever keep it moving I'm not the best at like going to the dentist or doctor um but then a couple months later I started getting really bad migraines like the worst I've ever gotten in my life. And it was very obviously triggered by my dental health. Um, but yeah, awk, brush your teeth, kids, floss, et cetera, et cetera. I just think it's funny that dental health rhymes with mental health. And I feel like we always talk about mental health. So it was funny hearing you say my dental health. <laughs> oh, well, should we have an episode dedicated to dental health? No, we should not have We absolutely should. One of the most okay, great. issues for our generation. Probably. <laughs> Hell yeah. None of us are going to the dentist. None of us are going to the doctor. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh this this week's topic, we're gonna talk. We're actually we're gonna expand a little more, but the, the core of what I want to get at is the crypto space, and then that'll branch out into like NFT, AI, virtual voice, like Alexa, Siri, all this other shit. Um, but to start, who can I, I had to look it up. Can either of you define cryptocurrency? Go ahead, Vincent. You know I can't. Not looking up the definition. Oh, no, I was saying 101 because uh, there's a fire alarm going by. Um, I can give you like a crude definition. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's literally encrypted currency. <laughs> so it's based off normal fiat monetary systems like systems that are backed by the central bank but it decouples from the central bank and it becomes its own 
currency that's encrypted um, and is like publicly validated through like a public ledger system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically what Vince said. That, 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 that's actually a really easy to understand for the casual listener way to understand it is that there, there's a there's <laughs> Wait, a what does encrypted mean what does encrypted mean <laughs> like um so it is there's like an encryption that secures it's like think of like a long range of ones and o's that are harder to compromise so it has a unique digital signature is that what encryption cool. is literally yes and each one does um and each 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 coin of this cryptocurrency or like each unit of the the cryptocurrency um unit so like when you give someone a unit like you have to decrypt and they have to encrypt i don't really know like how the process goes exactly oh that's so interesting so then when you pay the other person owns that unique digital signature and mm-hmm. you have to is it tied in parallel to our dominant money system where it's like can you say like one a bitcoin is cryptocurrency right mm-hmm. so can you say like one bitcoin is worth this much of like regular money or is it just totally decoupled kevin probably can give history better my understanding is that in theory it's supposed to get to a place to be completely decoupled but we're not nearly there yet so as of this point yeah it's more tied to normal monetary systems and it fluctuates like when it inflates like you can translate that to like a dollar amount so it's tied bitcoin and cryptocurrency is tied to mon to to man what's currencies like nation nations cur- or like yeah currency like a, a state's fiat currency so like a currency that a, a state central bank Assigns, authorized. I don't know what the right word would be. Yeah. What is fiat currency? Um, it's a currency that's only given validation via the state. So we don't, our, our most currencies, I don't think any really are backed by gold anymore. And once you decouple from like something, I don't know if it has to be physical, but something that tethers it to like a specific value. And it's quite literally purely whatever the Federal Reserve in the US for the dollar says it is it's a fiat currency it's monopoly money and basically things like bitcoin specifically bitcoin is not backed by the dollar it's being treated more like a resource i.e gold or silver um because just decided to give it value because we wanted another form of currency so so think about that's a good question because that's what i was when I when I was first and let me preface this by saying like I know as much about crypto as 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 someone who's who just watched a YouTube video today. I know uh, I love how like yeah. it's such an intense power balance because even knowing a little bit is so much more like the degrees of separation counts a lot here. So you're a resident expert, Kevin. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I we invite fact checkers to in the comments. Like for like for example, um why like if if either you could answer why does why does a bar of gold cost what it costs Ooh, this is like a philosophical question that's very interesting <laughs> um do you mean specifically a bar or why does anything have the value that it has the broader umbrella is anything okay but calm down it- <laughs> 
already sailing away. The broader implication is Vince is getting at is getting at the broader implication of what I'm what I'm trying to like deconstruct, mm-hmm. but to make it just a very relatable conversation that anyone can understand. Um, like, yeah, why does a bar of gold, why does a gram of gold cost what it costs? Like if you were to go to the store and you wanted to buy a gold coin at a certain weight, what that gold coin costs in every state in the U.S. is relatively going to be the same or within the same range. Probably within other countries as well, there's almost an agreed upon idea of what what a specific weight of gold costs. So the question to answer the question of why Bitcoin has not is not backed by the dollar, but can have a dollar value that I then pose the question to you guys. Why does gold cost what it costs at a specific weight? You give any weight, gram, bar, pound. Wouldn't it be tied to like the original, this might be totally off. I've never um, looked into this. Um, Like, wouldn't it be tied though to like originally gold was valuable in like trade and it was because it was like, beautiful and you can make things with it and so it was considered valuable it had a little more utility right even if that was just like a king likes to have gold so then like wouldn't it wouldn't today it have been evolved from like some original form of like how much trade value it carried or is it totally divorced from that now like i think you're right especially if i think you're right in terms of how so if you go into properties of metal, durability, um, like what, like like purity, like of items, the beauty of items in terms of metal, silver, copper, gold, bronze, uh, and then in terms of scarcity of how much can you actually get your hand, like how much does how much have we actually found, how much available, what's the availability of it, um, but part of what you said, like the be- like the beauty of it, right? Like there's a there's a if there's a scarcity and and a, and a large enough group of people find it appealing, then it's like they just arbitrarily decide oh shit, diamonds, people want it, gold, people want it, lobster, shrimp, special rare fish for suit, people want it. So it's like, it's, there, there's a, what I'm trying to imply is there's a level of arbitrary, like, it's not, it's, it's not as if, like gold isn't oil. Oil makes sense to us because in the extent that our current world runs cars, power plants, ships, planes, like oil makes sense. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's an everyday utility behind oil. Oh, yeah. Both. Can, I, can I get a little socialist here for a second? Because um, this is actually a Marxist concept of the idea of use value versus exchange value. So like what Leslie described would be the exchange value. So gold is mm. worth as much because we've collectively decided that X amount of gold is equal to Y amount of uh, steel. But what Kevin's describing is a separate value that often gets kind of erased, especially if we talk about like markets and like a financial capital sense where there's also a use value where the value is some sort of like, I might be butchering the use value definition, but it's like the the intrinsic utility of what it provides to humans. Um, just want to throw that out there so I can. Well, that's the differentiation. That's the differentiation I was trying to make, right? Like what you, like what utility do we all between the three of us? I can't think of an example right now. What utility do you know that gold has? operational utility not like oh it's a fun, it's a cool pretty necklace what do people use gold for besides hoarding it like a dragon or wearing it like a fucking idiot i had gold, oh, two gold cha- i had two gold chains on like 10 episodes ago that cost a lot of money and i sold them and bought crypto anyway what what functional oh. utility does gold have like we don't know one right like so that, that was a distinction i was trying to make is that 
um, Bitcoin is this strange thing where as far as I can see and far as I can tell, I don't see any operational utility beyond the fact that because it's so, because it's di digital signature is so secure and so tightly sophisticated, like it's, it's, you can't replicate it. You can't duplicate it. You can't hack it. Um, as of right now, you can't, uh, like fraudulently, you can't reproduce, like we can reproduce a dollar. You can reproduce a $20 bill, walk into a store and, and buy something with a $20 bill. The idea behind Bitcoin is it's so sophisticated that as of right now, no one's been able to actually duplicate it, duplicate a Bitcoin sequence and then use it to go buy so like, which they're like companies, hotels, I think travel, certain companies are starting to allow visas it has incorporated Bitcoin. Venmo has incorporated Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. A lot of these major companies are Apple has apparently bought Bitcoin. Facebook is apparently in the news for either having bought Bitcoin or about to buy Bitcoin. Companies are now moving into the space where they're saying there's NFL players who are getting paid in Bitcoin. Um, but beyond the fact that it's a super, super sophisticated, like Vince is saying, a, a, just a, a really, really a sophisticated way of numbering zeros and ones, they're as far as I can tell, there's no operational utility. I can't fucking go power my car with Bitcoin. I can't warm my house with Bitcoin. I can't cook my, my steak with Bitcoin. So the funny thing is, is that it's <laughs> little history. Bitcoin was invented in 2008. As of yet, the person who created it is unknown. They apparently created it and specifically did not want to be known for it. And they created it for the purpose of number one, like Vince said, they didn't want any one person or country to be in control of it. So they created it, created 200 million Bitcoin of, of coin, put it out into the world for purchase as a way that people could, with the idea and the intent of it being a monetary unit that you could use for exchange and trade. Because hopefully one day you could like use that as money instead of actual money. You know, because when you use actual money, you go through banks, you go through, you have to go through like the world banking systems. If I, if I take my $100 and I'm going to go to Italy, then I have to go get money from my bank, go to an exchange center, get their world banking system to give me whatever the $100. Bitcoin is like, no, no, I don't need your systems. And then the fees, I got to pay all these fucking fees of like exchange currency and the pulling it out to 50 to ATM. I can go straight to Vince. And a house, a car, or whatever, I can give you 0 0.02 Bitcoin if, if, if it's worth how much ever money, $2,000, and then you'll give me the, the product or the, the service that I'm asking for for the value of the Bitcoin. Bitcoin came out, and its exchange rate, the amount to buy of Bitcoin was 0 0.0008. It might be 0 0.00, like four zeros and then eight, basically let, like that much less than a penny. Then in the same year, it went to 0 0.08 cents. Today, let me check my stats to see exactly where it's at. Bitcoin, one Bitcoin in 2008, having gone from like, I think eight cents is now worth $54,607.34. And it's projected by September of this year to hit at a low 100,000 at a conservative high 150,000 at a, a non-conservative high 350,000. So what's the, the irony is that it went from this idea of trying to destabilize the world banking systems. Hey, let's all just use this imaginary money that's actually just numbers in computers. 
to we can trade stuff in between us with no middleman, no banks, no nothing. It went from that to gold, the concept of how people treat gold. There's no utility behind it. People just started hoarding it like dragons, hobbit, dragon, gold. And, it be, and because of how, when more people wanted it and because the supply has always been limited, thus the price spiked up. Um, and now that more and more people are getting into it, the prices is, is going up and up and up. So the question I wanted to ask for you guys is cryptocurrency in general, Bitcoin, of course, is like the one that everyone recognizes. Do you guys think this is a fad? It's going to fizzle out? Or do you see cryptocurrency, not just Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, because there's, there's so many coins now. Do you see it as the, do you think predictions, predictions, 2020, 2030, 2040, 2050, do you think it'll be how we actually exchange money do you think it's the future or do you think it's a fad man i don't know since what do you think I, my head is swimming with a bunch of thoughts because that's like the most that i've ever like you just shared the most information i've ever absorbed about i i just really haven't paid attention it just stresses me out money already stresses me out like and 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 the ways that it becomes so abstracted like the whole idea of the stock market like stresses me out so then like this just feels like like no hope of trying <laughs> so i'm just absorbing everything you said what do you think vince um both i think like our current obsession with it as we know it is like a, a speculation fad uh, um like a very dot-com bubble-esque to me where I think in the next 10 years, I would be surprised it was not like a very serious crash or Kevin keeps up with it. Like, isn't it projected already to swarm and then crash? Is that a conversation at all? So yes, it's, it's projected. That's, that's the part I conveniently left out. Projected by September. Oh, okay. <laughs> Exposing me. Projected. <laughs> projected gosh you gotta ruin my fun projected christmas is gonna come and the grinch is gonna show up after you get the gifts and steal everything it's projected in september october of this year to hit an all-time high whether that be anywhere from 100,000 to 350,000, and then based on it's something called metcalf's law which i don't know how to explain it but it's the idea that basically history is some, something along the lines of history you can you can measure how something's going to behave based on how it behaves and something in relation to it that it's behaved like before. So for example, if you were to go, Hey, like when Christians first showed up in, in this country and did this and X, Y, Z, you can kind of project that when, like, if that were, if you were to replicate that, that, that happening of Christians showing up in the country, you can kind of, and then just kind of how political systems unfold, how nations rise, how nations fall, i.e. America being looked as a modern day Rome. So Bitcoin is projected to rise to an all-time high in September, October this year. And then somewhere in January of this year, maybe December, probably January fall, 40 to 70% of its, I could be butchering these numbers, but somewhere in the realm of 40 to 70% of its value, and then be in that price range of a 40 to 70% drop for three years. Um, and then, and then repeat itself, meaning uh, it's projected by either, I think 2025 Bitcoin is projected to hit a million dollars. Per like per one Bitcoin. Hmm. Yeah. I think that makes sense. The reason why I say both and oh, not my that. Bad, my, bad, my, my bad. One thing, one thing. Because in 2017, um, I forgot what the 
starting price was, but it was the first time that I think Bitcoin went between seven and went from whatever it was, which might've been like eight, it was, I think it was a single digit thousand, which is what Bitcoin's price was in 2017 before the fall of 2017. Then in the fall of 2017, Bitcoin, I believe went from a single digit thousand to a value of a high of 20,000. And then in January dropped to 9,000. And I want to say just last year, 2019, so like a three-year cycle, like again, it'll sit in that low for about three years based on how it's behaved before. I want to say last year, it was when it dropped to 9,000 and 20, and 20, like from 27, 20,000, 2017, 20,000, all-time high. Like, oh my God, people are freaking out. It's the high Bitcoin is the future. And then a couple of months later, it goes from 20,000 all-time high to like back to 9,000. It stayed that way somewhere in that realm for like three years up until 20, I want to say 2020. So like just last, like just last year, it was in that 9,000 range. And then it spiked, I want to say from somewhere around that range of like 9,000 to like 34,000, like beginning of this year. Why do you know what was the catalyst? I don't know necessarily why it was a three-year cycle. Um, The way that these people that I watch on YouTube describe it is that usually when it has these spikes, you it's because you'll see big, big, insti- big buy-ins from people who normally would invest in stocks or institutions, i.e. Tesla bought, I want to say it might've been something crazy, like 1 billion Bitcoin, Visa adopting Bitcoin. So institutional adoption, a lot of these companies investing in Bitcoin. And usually the spikes are some, they call them whales, people with a lot of money who can invest hundreds of millions of dollars into the cryptocurrency. What they do is they invest a lot of money once you get, and then of course the ho- the masses come. So let's say Kevin has 500 million or a billion. I think is what Tesla put into Bitcoin this year, a billion. So then Tesla goes from like, I mean, not Tesla, Bitcoin goes from 9,000 late last year to, I want to say 34,000 early this year, it spikes. Then it climbs from 34 to 40 something now to 50 something. The all-time high this year so far was 62,000. Now it's dropped down to 54. Um, but I think when it went from 34 to like 44 or 50, it's because Tesla put a billion dollars into Bitcoin. So let's say Tesla or some really rich person and puts a lot of money into Bitcoin, then the masses come running because they think, oh, like they're, it's like the FOMO. They don't want to miss out on this like gold rush fee for thing. And then that whale person, once the masses help spike it up a little more, pulls their gains out, pulls all their money out, and then it drops tr- dramatically. Um, so the the crashes are the crashes have to be because people someone pulls a lot of money out um like that's how it rises and falls is who's in how much how many people are buying it how many people are selling it so when it fell back then it fell because someone pulled a lot of money out or pete persons pulled a lot of money out but what i don't know is why it's doing it over three years rather than yearly six months three like i don't know why that manipulation happens why that's the time frame I think that, I mean, that makes sense. I, I think, um, yeah, I just think again, at the dot-com bubble, like speculation, it, it's kind of like a broader conversation that we didn't really get to in the internet episode where it like around the turn of the century, when everyone was investing into like dot-coms, that was like the new technical technological innovation. At that time, we had no concept of social media, but obviously two decades later, that's the primary lens of which we understand the internet. And I, the reason why I said both before to like being a fad and like something long-term is that I feel like we're in that speculation bubble where we know that there's like a new contour of some kind of innovation, but right now we don't know what the actual use value is for 
us collectively. So because there is no clear use value, there's just financial incentive to invest and profit off of. So it's a fad in the sense of, I think there's hype just because there's money to be made. Um, but I, I'd imagine that in 2050 or wherever, I could see there being something cool or like some sort of like fundamental shift. I just, I haven't yet heard of what that could possibly be. And I'm very curious what people that are not just interested for money, but like, like believe in the mission of cryptocurrency. Like I'm, I'm curious what they imagine that technology, that, that shift in technology, like what exactly that is or what exactly that will do for us collectively. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Now let's shift over to NFTs. Wait, I have a quick question before we go to NFTs. So did you say the original unknown creator only created a set amount of Bitcoin? So whatever happens with it, so it'll always, it'll always be like, hmm, that's just interesting. Now, now here's the just funny. Feel like, go ahead. Yeah, in context of human greed, of course, it's just going to get bigger, bigger, bigger. So then there'll have to be smaller, smaller decimals of like, oh, I own point ten zeros one <laughs> of a Bitcoin, right? To accommodate. It's interesting. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So right, because like right now, the issue comes of like, oh, are we going to print more money? This is super loosey goosey understanding, but right now, right, like you theoretically, like you can make more of what we've decided we're using for money, but like for this one, it will just always have to. It will never be that there's more of it. You just have to decide smaller amounts of it are worth more. It's 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 like real estate. Hmm. There's only so much land in Hawaii. There's only so much beachfront property. There's New York. Mm. They have to build in the air because there's only so. So that's the, the concept. One of the, the one of the driving concepts behind this, this spike increase, the price spikes in Bitcoin, is that there's only ever going to be 200 million. So it's looked at as gold or an, or real estate or an investment uh, asset because they know if this is if this continues to be around two, three, four, five hundred. It's like if America was first built. And someone goes, yeah, yeah, I'm going to own this little chunk of land. And then that land turns into Los Angeles, California, and you own that land by the beach. It's like everyone wants that. And the more people want it, the more it populates, the more the population grows. It's only going to increase. Like any, like my house right now, projected, which could be horseshit by Zillow, my house has gone up ridiculous amounts of money per month that I've been in it. Because it's it's the region that I'm in. More people are moving in. The city's growing. You know, like if the city's growing fast. That the real estate increases if the city's dying out, people are moving out. The real estate decreases. Um, so yeah, the limit, the limited, the scarcity of supply behind Bitcoin is one of the reasons why it drives. So that's why it's projected to go this year from fifty to fifty thousand this year to I think the projection might be twenty twenty five, twenty thirty to like a million per coin because it's like the more there's only the idea is there's only going to be more people who would want to get their hands on it, and by that point it's like. You missed out on beachfront property in, in Los Angeles, California, Malibu, California. Mm. That is interesting. I don't know if I understand if the goal was in theory to create a currency that's just completely separate from states. I guess it makes sense why you, I don't know. Like I, I get that it's like an, a, something to invest in. I just think it's interesting to limit it to a certain amount because it sounds like you're limiting the ability to like really move to like a legitimate currency that's not mm. like tied to another currency. 
Does that make sense? I don't know. It's just like a weird choice. Yeah. Do other cryptocurrencies also have a, only a certain amount of coins? Mm-mm. A lot of a lot of them. Some of the one that I'm most familiar with currently increases in the amount of coins every year. See, this I don't know. This might be way off, but the fact that the person is anonymous and like, did it just sounds like a big social experiment to me? Like, sounds like some artist in their basement was like, mm, "How do I like kind of peel back a few things about what money is in ours?" You know, and like see what happens. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's some wild shit. Like like the guy, one of the guys I follow describes it as like World War Three level premise because of what it what the, the the premise of what it could do to world banking systems. Like India, India banned Bitcoin. They're like got me fucked up. You're not about to have this on top of our shit. Um, mm. multiple it's con- countries have places have tried to ban Bitcoin and yeah. Anyway, so NFTs. Okay. NFT stands for non-fungible token, Vince or Leslie. Do you know what non-fungible token, like fungible, do you know what fungible means? So it can't be fungible token. I'm going to put my school hat back on and use context clues to try and define this word. So I know that an NFT is um, a digital art piece that basically like only one person can own. So they have found a way to make God, kind of makes me angry. Yeah, they found a way to make it. Like, <laughs> not getting triggered. <laughs> to create yet another thing for people to spend money on as a, because they want to own something unique. And um, so I would think fungible means um, you can't replicate it or you can't uh, more than, it can't have more than one owner. Yes and no, and I'll answer. I'll I'll answer. Does it have to do with fungi? <laughs> Non-bacterial <laughs> token. No, no, no. Does it? The reason I say yes and no is because I think I'm not sure yet. I don't think this is how they operate currently. But you are right. the The idea right now that I understand of NFT is that because fungible means it can't be like um frauded like you can't make a replica a, a, a fraud like i can make a counterfeit 20 bill the idea is you're not supposed to be able to make a counterfeit of it non-fungible non non-counterfeitable token digital item so the reason i say it can't have more than one owner is because currently i think people are actually trying to build systems to where they can split nfts into, into shares so if there was like for example i'll show you guys this to, to so we have a visual and if you're listening and you go over to youtube if you don't want to go to youtube what i'm showing them is that cat pop tart rainbow gif oh yeah um, i saw that thing, oh well that's so someone i'm not sure if the or the creator of that gif did it or 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 someone else classic it was turned into it it was turned into an nft and it sold for six hundred thousand dollars um and so the idea would be behind nfts is that like if like with Bitcoin, one Bitcoin is worth $54,000 right now. But Leslie, if you were to go and put, you can go and buy a dollar worth of Bitcoin. You can buy $5. So with the NFT, the idea would be if that NFT is worth how much ever money, you could buy shares and holds the way you would buy shares in Apple, the way you, would, you could fracture it out. Um, so currently the idea is one owner, but the idea that I think they're trying to move towards is you can make it fractured into shares of an NFT. Mm-hmm. So oh, I think fungible... I was gonna say, I think interchange might be a better word. I think of like fungible workforce and companies where certain roles are not fungible. Of course, there's a f- 
fire truck going by while I talk. Um, but like not interchangeable, like this is not something that can be changed out with the token, meaning that there's like a single token, which is what gives its uniqueness. And that token in itself is not interchangeable with anything else. It's the only one. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Now, what I will say is that, okay, of course, I don't know the history behind that cat pop tart rainbow NFT, but most like all the NFTs that I've heard of so far, especially the high selling ones, it's some person who draws or paints and there's like, I, you can, you can go on YouTube and go how to make an NFT, how to um, whatever. And you can like, I right now can take an image off my phone, any image, image from my Instagram, upload it as an NFT, turn it into a non-fungible token an NFT. And then I own it and I could sell it. Now, mind you, the market decides what the value of it is, but I, I would own my NFT. Um, and so a lot of people have just like people who are like sketch artists, drawing artists, paint artists who are like on Instagram. Um, it was a platform that was created where you could turn your image or your it could be a video. It could be a song. It could be a movie. It could be a TV show. You could it could be a GIF. It could be a still image. You can turn it through this system into an NFT. Um, that's what people did with a lot of their art. And then you just saw like like the highest NFT, if, if I, I, I'm curious if you guys know, I didn't know that I had to like dig around. Guess what you think the highest sold NFT price tag was? $3 billion. Oh, Leslie Shaw for the stars. I'll say, <laughs> I don't know. I was going to say in the single millions, maybe 10 million. So that's a good spectrum, 69 point something million dollars. God damn. And it was like, I mean, this isn't, let me see if I can find the actual image, Gotham. Or, is there one place that people sell them? Like you put it on the market in this one, you just- There's, there's, mul hmm. there's multiple. Like Taco Bell made an NFT. You, I mean, but but that, that, that's not answering the question. There's multiple platforms and sites in which you can sell your NFTs. Um, hmm. Some are more popular than others, but there's, there's several. It, it was created. I think the idea is, and NFTs were built off the premise of a cryptocurrency called Ethereum. So Bitcoin is just like this thing that's like gold. It just sits there. Ethereum is almost like Google. There was a point in time and still happens now to where when you go Come to find- dramatic pause. That was so good. <laughs> that's true. I was thinking, I was like, I thought you froze for a second to be honest. I was like, oh no, that was just a, a pause for dramatics. No, uh, there was a point in time where to find something. And even now you, you like, you use Google as the, as the, as the landscape to go like navigate and find something. So like, right, like today I would type Thai food restaurant near me on Google. Cause where else do you used to be the phone book? Like the phone book now it's Google. And so Ethereum is a cryptocurrency, but it was, it's, 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 a, it's also a network. It's a digital network, kind of like Amazon for all these shoppers, all these, all these businesses that sell and people who want to buy. Um, or virtual merchandise like it, NFTs. Exactly. So the it, idea is NFTs would be a forerunner of a bunch of different type of goods to all op operate in a virtual. Well, no, no. NFT thing. is supposed to, NFT is, I think NFT is always supposed to be a digital art item, whereas the Ethereum. Does it have to be art? You can upload. I, I can literally take a picture of this bottle and upload it, and it would be an NFT if I made it into an NFT. Now it costs me six dollars currently. Okay. On is it art? Mm, another question. <laughs> yeah. But, but <laughs> Ethereum. So NFTs are one of the playouts of what you could build on the Ethereum network. But the idea is you could build social media platforms, you could build websites, you could build a lot of things 
on the Ethereum network. The same way Amazon allowed for like you, you can go in there and open up your own business on Amazon through, it's called Amazon Marketplace. It was a platform that was created for business owners to go and utilize this network to where they could actually benefit off the greater platform of Amazon, Amazon Marketplace. In the same way, Ethereum is not only a cryptocurrency, to my understanding, it's an entire network on which you could build things like this NFT thing or like a social media platform or a website. It's a network. It's like this ecosystem where you can go and create things. Um, but for digital goods or digital spaces only, I believe so. Of course, yeah, because I, 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 I struggle to think of like any brick and mortar or physical thing you could do. So yeah, it would. I think right now, to my understanding, it's it, it's strictly digital. So, well, actually, it sounds like both of you were about to say something. Well, I was going to say, I have two directions my mind goes in with NFTs that are more so like broad spaces than like cohesive co like thoughts. But I'm curious, Vincent, since you tend to have more structured. <laughs> okay, well, the two places I go is A, it makes me angry because I just, and this might be idealistic and uninformed, but from that uninformed place, it just makes me angry that we're finding another way to like spend money on things that aren't like when we have so many people like just not even having their basic needs met like it really mm -hmm. makes me angry that like it's another place for rich people to make more money and just for people I don't know I just I don't understand this like mentality of like always trying to make more just like it, it just stresses me out and it may and like it's like why do we need another thing to spend money on when we can't even like take care of our own humanity? So I know that's kind of like, a, like I, it, I know it's a nice thought, but it, it is kind of underinformed. So, but that's like my honest reaction. And then the other place I go is in, it, it's interesting just from more of like a less grounded in reality more just like floating through the conceptual implications of this, which is like, oh, finding a way to acknowledge all the content that's being created that hasn't yet found its way into a more like a uh, formal system of establishing value. Cause you know, like meme creators really have shaped a lot of thought and yeah. played a big part in relationships and in communication and all these things. And up to this point, other than maybe like some internet fame, if, if, you know you know who was in a meme or who created a meme there hasn't really been a formal way to like us as a society acknowledge like hey you are contributing to our collective experience and communication and all these things so that part is interesting to me you know just yeah. like but yeah it, it's like my stronger reaction is just like anger and just wanting to be like why like it's just this feeling i just feel like we're hitting this point in humanity where it's like because we've achieved so much it's just exponentially more what we can achieve and like nobody's stopping and being like well not like what can we do but like what should we do like what do we care about like do we care about mm -hmm. just endlessly like breaking new barriers and making more of whatever it is whether it's money or something else or are we like well, how did we get here and what allows for this insane trajectory and like does what we value is it going to be 
taken care of? Is it going to decline? Is it going to increase? If we just keep on having this mentality of like, how can we find more ways to monetize things? How can we find more ways to um, dive into the digital space before we've even uh, examined basics of like where we already are with it, you know, in terms of different ethical applications and stuff. So yeah, that's where I go with it. Vince? Um, no, I mean, I agree with a lot of the sentiment. Um, I don't necessarily have the same concerns of us being at a place where we're constantly trying to break through innovations in the digital. Like, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that, even in the context of how fucked up things are IRL. I do think, um, and I won't get, I'll make this quick and not get too preachy. I do obviously very much agree with like the sentiment of concerns of like constantly searching for new ways to monetize. Um, and to me, it's a big part of what makes me very, a little cynical and I'm pretty ambivalent to NFTs and the crypto space in general. Like mm. I mentioned, I am curious. Uh, I like technical technology and innovation so i'm curious where it goes yeah. but i can't help but to be cynical because i feel like to leslie's point i the our, our the road to that innovation is made up of profit incentive which we could go pillar by pillar industry by industry to show how that that is not the most efficient way to innovate if we're defining efficiency as creating things that really add value to us collectively as opposed to that really add money um, to us and really to us, it's obviously disproportionately to a certain sector of our population. Um, and I will say before I get off my, my stump, but this is like the main critique of capitalism where the logic of the economic system is that this is going like, you shouldn't be surprised. Like the, the logic is capital always looks for new markets and new places to profit off of. That's how a firm keeps their market advantage because they're looking for new consumers. They're looking for new products. So I think to me, it's again, it goes back to that broader question of the limits of our economic system and the way that it warps the way we go for innovation. It obviously puts us in a place where we innovate because innovation is profitable. Um, but what that looks like and the road to get there is going to be warped. Um, and another example isn't just kind of my cynical thoughts on do we really need to monetize that like rainbow meme? Like it seems kind of right, right, right. trite and useless. But I do know the other big critique of crypto, and I, I've heard it in Bitcoin specifically. So I don't know how it pans out across all crypto technology, but there is the concern that we're already at a place. Bitcoin isn't even really adopted by mainstream population, but it already consumes more energy than countries, which yeah. I just did a quick search before and I saw Argentina. I don't know if that's really the case, but sizable countries. So it's already not efficient with our IRL resources. We don't know what the real uh, value proposition of the technology is quite yet. Um, so all that to say, I, I, I generally agree with Leslie's cynicism. My only question, um, for both of you, but I am curious for Leslie and I don't have an opinion, but when I think of NFTs, I do wonder 
there is when it comes to like physical media or physical art is there no value in your mind or either of you to a master copy or an original as opposed to duplicates and if there is do you not think that there could be something interesting about bringing that dynamic to the digital space because that's what nfts are right like we're taking a piece of media and assigning a token saying this is the master this is the original um do i think that we that's my that's my question really well that's kind of what i was getting toward with like yeah that is the second plane i went to right it's just sort of like it being an interesting concept to find a way to assign value to this content that's being created in this space i mean Yeah, I think it's an interesting idea. Do I think that it makes sense in context of like everything else that we just talked about, which again, for me is from a very underinformed standpoint, but like, no, I I don't think so. And also like art should always, or media that's been created, it, it exists in context of its medium and like all explicitly art that's digital or just maybe content that you could like argue about whether it's art or not like the like digital medium is lends itself to things that make me think does it make as much sense to try and like force it into a space that's more similar to like in real life like and and the legacy of like physical art tends to be tied back to when it was a lot harder to make copies of whatever physical thing was made right so now like you Mm. can make a painting and then you can do a screen printing of it you can take a really nice photo on your phone and do really nice prints and it'll look pretty good same basic visual impression like when objects were being made you know in time past it was a lot harder you had to have a lot more skill to replicate it and so I think like the lineage of objects now is already well actually interestingly i'll end with this because i don't have any like solid opinions but interestingly that's where the legacy of physical i think art objects came from but it's moving more and more toward more of like a digital space because it like i just mentioned examples of it's easier to quickly replicate and now it's like okay we're taking digital content and trying to like move it more toward like traditional medium And I guess maybe just, I don't see as much negative effects with taking traditional stuff, traditional media and moving it more to a digital framework of like, oh, we can easily replicate this, blah, 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 why not? Whereas I, I, all I can see is kind of just like negative or stupid effects of like taking digital content and but, but again, I mean, it'll be interesting to look back on this because that's just like instincts, right? Like I haven't done a lot of reading. I haven't really looked at any NFTs. Like I haven't applied anything except for my gut reaction. So yeah. What do you think, Kevin? Vince, repeat. You said something, you asked something about the master copy or the original as, as something about value and relation and correlation to the original, to the copies. But what was the actual question? Um, I guess basically that physical dynamic of where, uh, I think music's a, another example too. Like there's like a master copy or the original painting, um, which has like a specific special value as opposed to the copies of it. 
there's like that relationship usually with physical mediums or media. Um, but but I'm, I'm wondering, is there not something interesting about replicating that in the digital space? Does that make sense? <laughs> Well, what when you say is there something interesting? Like, what what do you mean? Is there something? Wait, let me add one more thing because maybe this will explain. I actually did just think of something interesting. The interesting thing is that it is, in a way that can't happen, I think, in not this space. It's allowing the value that is assigned to it to more purely, I think, and more maybe democratically be influenced by like group. Like, how much do we like the thing? Like, how much. Or I don't know, I guess still not maybe as democratic because it's still just like with traditional art out in the real world, heavily influenced by people who have more money, you know, like their taste is going to count more. But I do think there's like a larger, it seems because the same, you know, like the internet does democratize some discussions, right? And the types like Reddit, like you can have a bunch of people popping in there in a way that you can't as easily coalesce in person. And so- that part is interesting and that maybe it's mm. more a little more open and like, well, we just fucking decided the rainbow cat meme is worth $600,000. And like, that's what we did. <laughs> did we, or did the millionaires <laughs> and billionaires decide that? Um, well, but they decided that probably because of how much they could, they saw mm-hmm. that it resonated when it was unmonetized. Right. Like here's the thing, we all like, did the, like those, right? those NFTs, it, if I understand correctly, all NFT, most NFTs, some NFTs, I've always seen them put up in an auction format. So mm. I believe, I'm not sure about, with, with that one that sold for 69 million, it was in an auction format. And, and again, like going back to an idea that Leslie kind of touched on, which was um, the, the way art used to, which is why I'm so, op, which is why I have so much optimism and hope and, and joy in my heart that Leslie covered with darkness about NFTs was because used to be in society, you had to belong to upper class to, 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 to make art, to get your art into the, um, into the galleries, into the museums. You had to be formally trained. The, 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 the upper class had to embrace and accept and stamp your art and say, yes. And that's how, you know, like whether it was the Italian Renaissance artist, uh, Michelangelo, Leonardo, like, or whether it was um, Warhol here and like, like there was a time when graffiti wasn't, it was, there was a reason it was called street art and there was a reason folk art was called folk art and not boutique art or gallery art. So the reason I'm so optimistic about NFTs is because like, mm. these, these weren't, as far as I know, like there's a kid named Fawocious and I want to say his name is on Instagram, his handle is spelled F-E-W-O-C-I-O-U-S. He's just some kid who had been made, who he, he did, he called him daily sketches and his NFT started selling for like half a million dollars. He's like, oh, he's, and he'll post stories every day. Oh my God, you guys are changing. He's such a sweet kid. Like a normal kid, you go back in this history and look through his stuff. And he's not like this money hungry, greedy, pay capitalist, like fuckhead. He's like just some sweet kid. Who's like, oh my God, I'm so grateful. You guys are changing my life. Like I just love art and I loved it for like the sake of creating. So the beautiful thing about NFT, that's it democratized like that Reddit community that fucking turned GameStop into what it was for the short moment that what it was. That's what did, what it, NFT- what did it democratize though? Like I I, I get it oh, it in the sense of like mid speculation when it's like something new and like hyped. But if this becomes a normalized thing is 
the Elon Musk of the world going to buy some random person's art because it's an NFT? If that's becomes like a normalized, well, that's what happened. Do you know people? Who do you know? For, do you know? Do, you, do, you, do either of you know people? What's people? Exactly. <laughs> no. Wait, Bebo oh the God, social media app. Same people. B e e p l e. Do either of you know that artist? No, is that the artist you're just referring to? The, the, no, he's for, that for, for the Ferocious. was the other kid half a million, half a million for his NFTs, multiples. Beeple was the one who sold his NFT for sixty nine point whatever million. Do you guys know J N Silva? Mm-mm. He's a photographer who's been busting his ass in New York for years, and he said he made turning his photography into NFTs, struggling to make a living in, in New York as a photographer. And right, but that was my my question. I I pro everyone take advantage of the, so what the is bubble it, now. What, what does it democratize? I don't need to get my art as Kevin Ortiz into a high boutique or a museum or into a certain auction class. I don't need to get it into a certain community for it to be considered um, value, like to have a high dollar amount. Some kid just took a picture off Instagram that he originally created the democracy of $3, $1, $2, $6. I can, we can all afford $6, slap it on a website, put it on this pay, other page for free. And now someone across the world who's no one fuck elon musk there's someone paying 69.3 give a fuck about elon musk there's multiple people paying multiple millions of dollars for some kid who took his art had a passion for it made it paid four five six dollars to put it on a to turn it into an nft to make a non to make it non-fungible then posted it to a website and then sold it like that's the the, the democracy of but my question is that sounds like the case of someone profiting off the bubble that we're in and the hype and how new and inflated NFTs are when it normalizes well, and it's not something what's a bubble? New, like inflation, like a speculated artificial increase in the value it's of something. Like it won't be sustained. So wouldn't, so, it's, wouldn't, so it doesn't wouldn't sustain. The, wouldn't the connotation behind bubble be that like, there has to be relatively to the amount of people in the space there has to be a large amount relative of people who are in, in, in total in relation to total number of people who have NFTs and correct me if I'm wrong. Wouldn't there have to be a high number of people whose art is selling for a high value worth for it to be a bubble? Like what if 98% mm. of NFTs sold for $2 and just 0.02% sold for half a million, a million 69, less than 0.0001% with the rest of the NFTs sold for 20 bucks, 25 bucks, regardless if there was a million people selling NFTs. The bubble of yes, people who made NFTs, but the like there is no bubble for high selling NFTs. There is no bubble. The bubble as it relates to um, the immediate exchange value that we're assigning to it. So like the I can't abstract it because I feel like bubble can mean different things in different contexts. But I mean in this specifically, the reason why it is so valued, I guess to me when you say that the, the reason why it's so valued is because of the NFT that it sounds like to me, you're saying that the art that whoever made like 60 years from now, like there's something inherent to that art that makes it worth 60 million, as opposed to the novelty of the innovation being something new and something that wealthy people are very hyped about right now, which is what, why my question would be like, what does, what, does the NFT democratize as opposed to the current NFT speculation bubble? Like when the inflation drops and no one cares about it anymore, is there some sort of 
value proposition that will remain past our immediate like craze over it if that makes sense i think so because i don't think that for walsh's kid or beeple i don't think beeple selling his piece for 69.1 whatever million dollars was a fluke of the inflation of the general nft bubble like if you go if we if we go after this podcast and you guys go to ferocious and you and you google people art like the way you'll see like oh shit this he is he is a very both of them are very talented visual artists very talented like you feel something you want at least with me it resonates i'm not even into like mm. the kind of art like it looks like some shit vince would like some goop, some like fucking weirdo weird weird head ass long beach lbc head ass motherfucking like goofy weirdo fucking it looks like that but i look at it and i go oh this this feels like fucking like I, I can't explain it, but if you go look at it, you'll see. So, but you could already bought. You could have already yeah. bought it without the the NFT, though, right? Like you can already sell your art online if it, the art in itself is that again resonant. The, the NFT puts it into a space where mm. I used to have to get my shit into a boutique for then art appraisers to look at it and be able to go through a system to where they verify that this, like with a Picasso or a Van Gogh or or a Monet, you actually there are, there are teams and, and entire societies of people who go through processes to verify the authenticity and to even get into that space. You number one had to go through. You had either had to belong to that society already. You had to be maybe like um, Michelangelo. He was um, funded or sponsored by the Medici, which was a banking family in Italy. And the only reason his art got to the degree that it was because this really, really wealthy, very rich family, number one, saw his art when he was very in, in, in fundamental stages, adopted him, sponsored him, sponsored his education, got him trained in sculpting and drawing and painting. Of course, that got him endorsement from the actual upper echelon, the bourgeoisie in Italy. And that's, and then that's why his art is so cared for right now. It's because this upper, but with NFTs, it's like, like you said, if my shit isn't like authenticated, then anyone can take my shit and replicate it and sell it. But the NFT goes, people, you're that image. No, I'm the originator and I created it. And I can put the NFT gives you the owner and the creator, the facility to put a royalty on your shit. Meaning if my NFT sells to Leslie and I have a royalty faculty on it, when she sells it to Vince, part of that money comes back to me as the, as the owner of I own my shit. And so what it democratizes is these kids don't need to go to art school. These kids don't need to get accepted into higher class societies. These kids, some normal ass kid in the middle of America can, who just loves art, doesn't have to need money, status, acceptance from, from an upper class society. It, demo, it flattens it to where we don't need to go through this bottleneck to get to this point. I can just create something for the love of it. And then like the Reddit community or these like the internet community who just maybe likes this kind of weird ass art that Vince likes, looks at it and goes, and that makes me feel something. And then I can actually like, I can I can make a livelihood and make a living off my off my art, mm. rather than the democracy is anyone can do it and we don't have to go to art school or art institute of New York or art institute of Chicago and go please accept me into your program even though you're only going to accept X amount of students this year please like please art boutique please MoMA feature my art please whatever feature my stuff no fuck you Fawosha just put on Instagram people say hey you should make your shit into an NFT he did it now he's making half a million dollars off of one of NFT and selling multiple NFTs like that's the democracy is that anyone can now operate in this space and what's cool about it is Yes, a lot of people flooded into that space and it hopes to capitalize and make money. And they got exposed because no one wants your fucking NFT, you fucking non-artist. No one we they in that space, there's a lot of art collectors who can who just have opinions 
the way we have opinions about music or food or or clothing, mm-hmm. they have high opinion of art and what visual art is, and they go, and and the market decides. A bunch of normal people sitting around paying two thousand, three thousand, four thousand dollars, half a million dollars, sixty nine point three million dollars, random people you don't even know, buying these things because they go, man, this is like a this, I, I want this because it makes me feel the way someone would feel if they went and saw a Monet and they started crying and weeping. I'm still, I'm going to have to digest that. I'm still struggling to understand, but that's not at you. That's, this is actually interesting because one thing I was curious about is just if hearing Jess, people. Jesse, like, we, we don't know. Let's say Jesse tomorrow started putting her sketches as NFTs. That was like what happened. This ferocious kid was nobody. Nobody fucking knew ferocious. No one knew people. People wasn't like Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey is known for making a lot of art pieces. Jesse could go make her less less sketches. If this, let's put it like this. But I'm talking outside the bubble. Let's say Jesse. Um, I'm not trying to be labor. We can move on. I really am trying to understand. I'm actually trying. Um, I'm actually interested in this because I feel like I understand what Kevin is saying and I understood Vincent's question. But I'm trying to understand the bridge between like what's still confusing to Vincent because. His okay. question, yeah. So, what is it now, Vincent? That's still. I just don't understand how this democratized. Let's say Jesse, twenty years from now, when NFTs become a normal thing, so it's not inflated, um, mm-hmm. it drops in price. What benefit does she have as opposed to just creating something? Shout out to Jesse, by the way, for. <laughs> uh, like, what benefit is there? as opposed to just opening like a society six page it's my what i'm hearing and filming in my gaps is you're saying that it just introduces it to a specific market the market of nfts that wealthier high art minded people might be interested in so it gives them a new market to possibly profit off of and in that sense i guess that makes sense his name, but it name, seems arbitrary like his name do we need the market name. Can Society6 make your image into a non-fungible token and put a, a digital signature on it that can't be replicated? But my question is, what's the actual value proposition of doing that other than it just puts it in front of people value, that have money? What's, or is that what it does? What's, what's the Name your favorite song right now, currently. The song you just named at the beginning of the podcast, what was, what was the song? Um, that's a jungle song. I forget which one it is. But this is the- what, what's the value proposition of that song? If no one fucking enjoys it, um, the value proposition of a song is kind of weird to say, but the value proposition is that I enjoy it. it makes me dance. Is that somebody enjoys it? Now, the difference between that song and Jesse's artwork on the NFT space is that song. I mean, you can share it digitally, and the artist won't get the benefit financially from me and you file sharing that song. The difference is with the NFT; it gives everyone. Think about if before NFT. But can't. But like, if the. Uh... Can't you just screenshot it? I mean, yeah, only one person can own the like the signature thing. The master copy. So if somebody wants to buy that master copy from Jesse, number one, again, someone wants to buy the master copy, they actually have to go through the NFT platform to buy that master copy. Number two, Jesse. But that's can- already the in your song analogy, that's already the case because master copies of digital music is more expensive. But like the, there's like yes, and yes, the master copy can already be sold. The master right. copy is owned currently by somebody, but think about all that goes into actually. Cre- so, like me and you go make a song right now, and yeah, I have. Well, we I, should make a song. I have, I have, the, I have the uh, the origin of the copy. We can turn that into an NFT. But we can just sell it in the art. But if we sell it, if we sell the original, 
And then now it's on five, six different computers. How do you verify who's the original owner? If I like you just replicate it. Whereas with well, my question head, is the what's the value prop of being able to verify the original owner? What what does that do from for me? What's the value proposition of a Louis Vag having an authentic, a certificate of a certificate of authenticity? Because in that, people, ca in, because, in that case, people care about the original, whether it's a Jordan rookie card, whether it's a Louis Vuitton bag, people care, whether it's a verified signature on Instagram, people care about the original, the masters, which is why right now there's a company running around buying a bunch of artists masters because I think they're trying to create a fucking streaming platform because for whatever strange reason, human beings care about an original Yeezy. There's a reason I just paid three, four, five, six hundred $600 for a pair of shoes instead of $30 for a fake pair from China. It's because people care about authenticity and because there's some connotation and some actuality, I believe you don't have to agree with me. There is an actuality of quality behind authenticity, behind the original creator behind, which is why if you were to go and sell a Mona Lisa to the MoMA right now, they would have an entire fucking team of people come in for weeks and scrutinize every single micro inch of that painting to verify this was actually drawn, this was actually um, painted by the original artist and that's what it gives it inherent value. So the inherent value, yes, it has to be, that's, that's the cool thing. The inherent value is no longer determined of an NFT. These these NFTs, the ferocious, the people, there was no value given from some upper echelon society institution, i.e. the MoMA, the Art Institute of Chicago. You didn't need some rich or high status person to come in and endow value to it. The public who were just operating in the space of NFTs looked and said, we like that and it makes us feel something. Not because you graduated from Arnstein Chicago, not because you were endorsed by the MoMA or came from Italy or French or you're European. And so we look at it as higher or more than, you just created something and we connect emotionally. Rick and Morty, we connect emotionally. Music, we connect emotionally. Food, we connect emotionally. You made us feel something. And now not only can you monetize your work, but no one can ever take away from you that you made it. And number two, you can put a digital faculty on it to where if you want, no matter how many times that thing gets sold, for example, the reason why Instagram shuts your fucking DJ sets off because someone owns the copies to the original match and they go, hey, Universal goes, hey, my shit is will not be played in the club on Instagram, on Facebook, unless I get paid. You currently don't have a system in which Facebook will monetize me for playing that music. So Vince's Instagram, get the fuck out of here. NFTs have a, have a digital faculty to where no matter how many times that thing is sold, if you want, Jesse can always get a, a, a percentage of that sale of that sale no matter if it gets sold a million times she can determine the amount of money she will get from that nft so the way it democratizes is you used to you get royalties from selling nfts so if you sell yes. it and it's no longer in your position you can determine whether you want royalties from it so way in art so the way kanye west will get paid royalties from a song he owns the way universal will get paid royalties whoever from people who own their masters again you can put into an nft a, a digital faculty in which if you want you can you can you can forego that and go no i don't want no royalties i'll sell it for three thousand dollars once and then whoever makes whoever does what they do with it i won't get any money from it but you can decide as the owner of this nft i made it for six dollars and i threw it up hey i sold it for six let's say i want two percent royalties let's say 20 years from now Jesse's NFT that she sold for $6 goes for $20 million. She will still be getting every 2% from every single sale of that NFT in perpetuity until she hands off the ownership of that NFT if she dies or something to someone else. You used to have to go to fucking museum and art. You used to have to belong to a high caliber, upper echelon, very rich, very powerful society to accomplish these sorts of things that I can go on YouTube right now and go, boom, this picture of my beard. 
Leslie's yeah, I, bottom, Leslie's bottomless cover art. If this podcast goes fucking crazy and Leslie were to turn that bottomless cover art into an NFT, and let's say we get like fucking Ellen famous in 15, 20, 25 years, and Leslie made that into an NFT and then put a royalty on it, she could become fucking wealthy and take care of everyone in her life for in perpetuity. She can do whatever the fuck she wants because she owns, she originally owns that NFT. And that's no, democracy I, because what six dot like who you don't have to go to Chicago aren't so you don't have to go to the moment you don't have to go to Italy you don't have to go to anyone and get through an organization or institution you don't have to go through a bottleneck everyone can do that and it's all provided to you on this platform at a democratic level you make a login you pay three four five six bucks boom now you have access to a resource that you know so it's like an easier way of like copyright because you could theoretically do all that by copywriting anything you make right it's just like that process is quite a bit more yeah like yeah it's it's rapid copyright it's it's instant copyright it's traceable copyright to where no one can actually duplicate or like fuck with it and think about it there are art pieces today if you i think it's season two of malcolm gladwell's revisionist history it might be season three he talks about art scammers who successfully duplicate very famous art paintings and statues who actually deceive art teams this is a digital thing like you like as of right now, there's no one who's been able that, and the re, that's the reason why people are willing to trade 69 point whatever million dollars on this platform. It's because you can't duplicate this. We can, if you hack it, we can trace the hacking. If you break into it and somehow fund like, like defraud it, we can trace all that back. So, in actuality, as of right now, as it stands right now, theoretically, because this hasn't been frauded yet, this is actually more secure than a fucking Mona Lisa sitting in the moment right now. And you paid $6 and a login of information to do it. Jesse paid how much ever money to do it. Like she didn't need to like get universal mm -hmm. to be under a contract for publishing and distribution. And you own now 80% of my, like Dave Chappelle talking about Comedy Central owning the Chappelle show. And so he was begging and pleading. I never got paid for this. And you guys are making money off my name. Guess what? You signed a fucking contract. Why do you sign a contract? Because you were broke and you couldn't. You couldn't distribute your show to millions of people on a weekly basis otherwise without us. We That's why it wasn't democratic for the Chappelle show. He had to go to somebody who had the power and, and exposure and attention in order to distribute his content and information. Everyone's coming to this platform. This platform says, we're not going to charge you $1,000 for membership. We're not going to charge you to be some high standing member of society. You got six bucks. You can make millions. We're not going to take percentage like yeah, go ahead. You can make 69 point whatever million dollars off of your art. Just pay $6 to turn into an NFT, pay like log in with the information and boom. We're not sitting here like greedily, like capitalizing off your shit. No, you go. This is this is this is a space for the artists. This is a space for the this is a space for y'all, for the democratic people. Not so a bunch of people who created Ethereum, the NFT can like fucking greedily make money off of your off of Vince's art or Leslie's cover art for Bottomless 2 or Jesse's sketches or my poetry. I could turn a poem an image into my lyrics of a poem into an NFT and sell it in perpetuity for, for until, I, until I pass the ownership of that certificate of authenticity to somebody else. That's why it's democratic. Thoughts, Leslie? I won't belabor it. it makes, I, I understand what you're saying, the value prop is. I think I'm just not the target audience because it seems, I think that's what I, I was thinking when I mentioned, like, I don't think we found the real value proposition of what this technology can do. Because to me, that doesn't sound compelling enough for like mass mainstream use or like, in a, like truly innovating something, it still feels kind of niche. Oh, this, mm -hmm. I, I will say this is, they're calling, NFTs are being looked at right now as like very introductory, rudimentary level 
play out of what you could do on the Ethereum network, theoretically. Mm-hmm. They're looking at it go and that and that was the benefit. If this was your baby step, if this was your preschool, that I can make anyone have access by virtue of six dollars to turn into $69 million. And they're saying, like, listen, this is gonna like have, have either of you seen Ready Player One? Mm-hmm. So you remember, like, he's walking through, yeah, he gets, he gets the money, he gets the coin, he's walking through this place, and they're like, oh my gosh, that body armor that costs 10000 whatever, and he buys it. Imagine a space where because of VR, because of AI, because of voice, imagine that, like, I, I honestly think Ready Player One is kind of, like, closer to the future that we're moving towards. In that that's just, it's, it's, which is a dystopian movie, so that's sad, but yeah. Well, that, that, that ability for virtual reality, that, that level of virtual reality. Oh, no, I agree. <laughs> In all the so, senses. So, a ma- so, like, if NFT is the introductory level, like, the proposition is that that was the benefit. NFT, like, this very this very widespread innovation to be able to like finally give creators and artists power to empower themselves and have ownership and authority and protection over their resource and their art. And so again, it's, it's, it's in its infant stages, like the cryptocurrency attached to an NFT network, Ethereum right now, that cryptocurrency per coin costs 2,500 as compared to Bitcoin, which costs $54,000. It's in its infancy stages. We have we have yet to see the things that are going to be. I think. I think the platforms that will that I won't say the other one because because I just won't say the other one. I think the social media platform that defeats Instagram and Twitter oh. is going to come from an NFT network. I think the platform that could beat Netflix or YouTube is going to come from an NFT network. I think when we see Ready Player One become more of a reality, it's going to come from the NFT network. But the introductory level was. Everyone who's a visual artist and creative, not just visual artists, again, I can turn my poems and a a soundbite and we can turn your DJ mix of that bottomless intro into a soundbite into an NFT. If we become Ellen level famous in 15 years and you NFT that shit, then the platform went back to the creators, went back to the democratic people, the starving artists, the starving artists and said, I'm going to put something so powerful into your hands that up until now, you couldn't get ordinary person. You had to be somebody with power, access, and money. Otherwise, you don't get to play in this realm. And now I'm going to put it in your hand for $6. Less than a Happy Meal from McDonald's. All three of us can afford a Happy Meal from McDonald's. That's democratic. Uh, <laughs> Leslie, sorry we just went off. I'm curious your thoughts. There's a lot there. I'll do a really short reply, which my my more instinct is to say I need to absorb and think. But in the spirit of Audibles. all of these episodes, I should have just probably not talked and thought some more. But my, I guess my main things are I see the point you're making, Kevin. I also think it's it's not as yeah everybody can own theirs which is definitely um a step forward in artists having agency to actually make livings off of their work if it's if it's the similarity to copyright but it's like a lot easier and cheaper um but it's not like everybody just because you make it into an nft is gonna have 
have their work in the same set of eyes, like in the same room, you know, like it's still going to be another set, specific set of people who have the power probably to launch you from being a starving artist to now being able to make money. And it is the people with money, right? Like, I don't, I don't know enough to know how much like maybe smaller fish NFTs would then more easily make money again, outside of a specific period of like more people being interested. So more people buying them. Um, so that's just questions there. And then I guess my other thought is like, similar to how I felt about Instagram when I chose to like get off of that for a while which I am self-conscious about whatever you want to call this, like maybe a fuddy-duddy type, but it just is how I am where it's like, I, I'm in the same way. It's like the problem isn't the social media and I can see all of the positives. And, you know, as you guys know, now I'm very much in like an exploration phase. It's like, yeah, let's, let's really give it a shot. But we see you wild in the same way. We're, huh? We see you wild on social. Posting on my story multiple times a week. Unless I'm there. I'm in the Instagram space. Unless he's out of um, you know, multiple posts a day. What is turned? What is? <laughs> <laughs> um, but in the same way, it's like the issue isn't social media. It's like what are you feeding into in yourself and in yourself in context of society? So you, as somebody who is contributing to the larger societal moves, it's like you know the issues that I had there was this idea of like despite all the positives and whether you want to or not if you're not extremely extremely careful in a way that I don't think the average person has energy to um, maintain most of the time like social media absolutely along with the benefits like absolutely puts you more in a consumptive mindset I think with people like you consume very flattened very curated pieces of them and there's a beautiful way to view that and a healthy way but it's it takes a lot of energy to maintain right like um, and I just think in the same way the fact that you said most NFTs are sold in, um, ra- not a raffle, what's it called? With the gavel oh, auction, uh, auction. <laughs> like not an auction. Gavel. <laughs> that to me, wow, that was like a big, big spit chunk. But um, in the same way, it's like that to me just implies it, it, it's another spirit of that already is a problem in art, right? This balance, and we talked about it with Matt, this balance between like, making money off of your art and then just like art being something that instead of being democratized in a monetary sense can be democratized in a sense of like understanding like anybody can make a valuable piece of art and it's very valid if you just want to make art that is shared for its own its own value system right like this is valuable because it makes me feel something and I'll need to attach money or something to it to exchange it to share it with you so I just feel like that piece I feel like a little prickly about with like this idea of exacerbating uh, exacerbating another frenzy of like oh my art got big in the nft space you know like i can see the positives but then for me personally i don't know and who knows maybe in a month i'm gonna be all nfts and just making a bunch of money (laughs) i don't think so where it's like i don't think i would want to enter that space at least until i know more because it's like a similar how i felt about social media where it's like i don't like how i can see the conceptual underpinnings of this 
despite the positives, which I see what Kevin is saying, but I see the negatives where it's like, this would make me think again, more in terms of like art and connection to like how many people like it and how much it sells for and all these things that are already kind of dynamics that I don't enjoy. So you know, you can gift an NFT for free. Huh? Let me clarify. You can gift, you can, you, you can, you can give or gift or set whatever free dollar amount on your nft that you want oh that's interesting yeah i mean to be honest those are just like thoughts but i feel self-conscious about them anyway so don't put too much weight on them that's just (laughs) yeah um were you trying to also hit ai i think we're probably like running a bit long yeah yeah let's we I was curious where AI came up from, but we can say that for another time. Well, yeah, the, we can save it for another time. But what I was going to ask was between VR, AI, voice, and, and crypto, what, what you think was going to be the, the biggest change factor in the next 20, 20, 30 mm-hmm. years. But. Oh, uh, AI tied with VR, period. But we can say that for another time. Yeah. Wait, have you guys seen Ex Machina real quick? Just because I just saw it finally. X- no, I've seen like, I might have seen it actually at one point, but I can't recall any of the ex mafia machina like m i think i'm saying it right m-a-c-h-i-n-a like machine uh i've seen i've seen the yeah, thumbnail yeah. on netflix but you know no it's it was a fun watch is it like apocalyptic sci-fi it, it's like raises it's like a nice slick like here's something to think about with ai and also interestingly gender i didn't realize like it has mm. a pretty heavy commentary on gender too interesting yeah vince watch but, it and tell me if it slaps uh, okay. Wait, were you quick without any time for discussion? What were you gonna pick out of those options you sold us? Um next, if I had to do next 2030, because it's the sooner over like 50, 70, 100, I think crypto. Mm, interesting. I, th- I I think I I if if and everyone's, this is all speculation, even the people that I'm like looking to for information and trusting and following, it sounds like they're saying right now, not that it's on the trajectory to do that, but the premise and potential of cryptocurrency is to destabilize world bank, the world banking system. And if that's the case, like, mm-hmm. what do you do when a, when a college, when a student doesn't have to go to a bank to get their loan or to pay a university? Like, what does a bank do? The, like it's the bank, like the federal banking system, the reserve, like when they go out of, if they go out of business, but that's 20, 30 years, that's like short term. Like if I were to think like um, 70, 100, 150, I think, I think V, I think VR and AI between those two, but crypto in the next 20, 30, I think. I'm actually remove uh, AI from my answer and just say VR if we're talking 20, 30 years, but. Oh, let me find out Facebook, don't, never mind. Let's say your answer as our final. I'll just say AI. And I'll say since there's no, like, I, I'm just guessing and all of y'all said it too, but I would have said AI, I think either way. I want, I want but an to... interesting tidbit I can add about AI, which does tie again back to Jessie since she was apparently the fourth guest on this episode. Because <laughs> um, exposed to it via someone in her life at the time. And I remember mentioning this to Vincent at some point a couple of years ago, where like, um, that person that I knew through her was like super involved in effective altruism, which like is the idea of like being very strategic, right? And basing 
uh, different forms of trying to help as many people as possible based on data rather than just like public sentiment or other things that often guide like you know where funding goes or different initiatives that pop up and one of their biggest two of their biggest ones that I remember one was funding for people trying to prevent pandemics and I remember like seeing that and being like oh really that's like and just you know was explaining to me her understanding from that person who's like really in the world where it's like yeah because even though it's like less likely than smaller bits of things like if it does happen the potential for harm so there needs to be like proactive preemptive because the potential you know and so that was really interesting but the other one was actually needing to fund and needing to push for any kind of um uh regulation on the development of ai especially from like a trying to approach it from an ethics standpoint because ai just is another thing that can grow so fast so quickly um exponentially and because the possible power that could happen you know even without the creators realizing right how quickly it can go from what they did there's like almost zero like regulation happening in any kind of like let's decide as a society as a world you know like what do we do in this ethical situation with it? And it's just like, it's all being made, but there's no systems being set up to make sure that it doesn't end in something bad. <laughs> so <laughs> interesting, right? I will say, yeah. I will say someone who I heard talk about AI said it's already too late, but I will also say in terms of like regulation, they said the point that AI has gotten to by the time they were asking the government for regulations, they were like, it, it was, it was, it's too late. Um, it's gotten beyond the ability to regulate. But I will say that another person I was listening to about AI said they were showing an AI machine pictures of a Husky to see if it could identify Husky. And then it showed another picture of a different dog that wasn't a Husky and it said Husky. And they were like scratching their head trying to figure out what happened, what went wrong. And it turns out that the, the AI associated snow in the background of the picture with Husky. So AI just kept seeing snow and was like, snow, Husky. <laughs> so, so it's too late, but we're, we, we might not have anything to worry about. That's actually a really beautiful like way to think about how it's forming, how it's programmed to form connections. Yeah, it's interesting. Take us home, Vince. Well, we'll see. Now we have this to look back on. Mm. We'll see what happens. I'm about to say, I, I want to go back to this episode in like two, yeah. three, five years. And we have actually turned this episode into an NFT and we're kicking off an auction this Oh no, Kevin! Next, oh, Kevin, oh. Kevin, these two socialists didn't want to uh, uh, help take care of our families and take. I have already said I am pro any individual dying. taking advantage our of it. Our parents are dying in a hospital, and Kevin turned all this shit every episode in the backlogs into NFTs, and we made millions. And I paid for all of our parents' hospital bills. Just know it was the capitalists out of the three, out of the three people. I would say. Kevin also is not a capitalist. I'm, oh, not I'm a socialist. Capitalist. No, I'm a capitalist. You, I'm you have to own capital to be a capitalist. I own capital. What's capital? <laughs> Thank you. Okay, next episode. Thank you for next listening episode. to the bottomless podcast. Y'all never let me have fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, B double T M L E double S. What's good? Yes, you can catch us on Spotify, Apple Music, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You know, and all of the rest. Yeah. YouTube, Come on. Instagram, Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Illy. 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 Bottomless. <laughs>